we live in a world that really struggles with being self-focused. I mean, I mean, we just have to be honest with that from the get-go. I mean, the challenge in this world is that we all want to go towards something that helps us to be happy, to be more fulfilled in life. But what if happiness was it really wasn't our goal? You see, we've all fallen into a trap and we believe in the misconception and lie of this world that our goal is happiness and happiness is found when you live more and more for yourself. But what if that just wasn't true? What if that just wasn't accurate? What if that really just led us down a bad path? Because all that does, that desire to live for ourselves, what we want, it's, it's an unsatisfied life. You know why? Because once you get that thing that you're craving, it's never good enough. You always need something more. When I was a kid, you know what came out? It was Nintendo. It was the first game Nintendo game system and I remember for that Christmas I was begging my parents for that I mean we had Atari and Atari was one joystick and one button it was kind of cool but Nintendo oh my goodness it's gonna roll it's gonna rock your world guys it had two buttons I mean it was amazing I mean, just think of the games you could play with two buttons and I remember my uncle telling me Bill it's you know don't get all bent out of shape over it. Next year is going to be something else, something bigger and better. Said, no way, nothing can top this. This is amazing. Then the next year Sega came out and, and another Super Nintendo and everything else. And now I play video games with my kids and they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I can't even count how many buttons they have. My hands hurt when I play video games with them now. I mean, I just, I'm a simple-minded type of guy. Just give me back the two buttons and I'm good to go. But, you know, here's the thing. It's true, once I got that, when next year rolled around, I wasn't satisfied anymore. I needed the next greatest and latest game system. Why? Because that was the coolest thing. That would make me happy. And it never sufficed. Maybe, just maybe, our lore towards self-focus, our lore towards trying to please ourselves, living for ourselves. maybe, just maybe, that was a lie. And you, so, so often we fall into that. You know, live for yourself. What's good for you? Just go with it. Just enjoy life. Be happy. And then you go for it. And then we find ourselves in chaos and destruction. You see, my friends, a self-focused attitude is a hazardous path. It really is. The more we become self-focused, the more the danger lights start to, to show. Danger, danger. It's a self-destructive path the more we live for ourselves. Why? Because it leads to disappointment. It leads to discontentment and broken relationship and a society in chaos. You don't believe me? Just turn on the news. The more we try to live for ourselves, what's best for me, the more we just create chaos. That's all we do. It is the ability, it has the ability to trap us in this vicious, vicious cycle, leading us to constantly trying to fill an unspoken void within our own life with other stuff. Trying to get this, what this world provides, the stuff that this world provides, the life that this world provides. But it never satisfies. It never satisfies. Because here's the problem. The problem with the self-focused uh, uh, lifestyle 
is it doesn't reveal themselves immediately. In the beginning, yeah, it feels great because we're so focused on the cravings that we feel within us that we're going after that and the things that we want, and it feels like it's not that big of a deal. But the problem is the consequences of a self-focused lifestyle doesn't happen overnight. You won't see it the next day. You see it after over and over getting involved with it and the consequences that build up from it. Before you know it, it's too late. You're dealing with the consequences. It's the same with eating. You know, so often we think, oh, if I just have this cheeseburger, if I just have this bag of chips tonight, what's the big deal? Well, then it creates that craving. And then that one bag of chips last night becomes another bag of chips this night. And while two nights of bag of chips may not be a big deal, what happens is if that becomes a regular occurrence day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, before you know it, You've positioned your body into an unhealthy habit that has developed unhealthy situations within your own body that before you know it, all of a sudden you're dealing with bad health conditions. Why? Because you created bad habits in your eating. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a week. But the long-term effect beats you down. And then before you know, it's like, if I could only go back and tell myself, put down the bag of chips, stop eating at McDonald's, whatever it may be, right? If I could just go back and tell myself that, I wouldn't be dealing with the health problems I have today. Here's the reality, my friends. You and your life are developing habits whether you realize it or not. And the problem is this. If we are not focused and realizing what habits am I developing, your natural tendency is always, is always going to be towards unhealthy habits. It's true in our eating habits. And it's also true for us spiritually. Just the way our body works, so does our spiritual self work. And that's the problem. The more we try to, to fix the cravings of our heart with more and more stuff that this world happens, to become more self-focused, live the life I want, guess what? It creates a world of chaos and brokenness for you. You know, the real priorities is this. The real issue is this. What are the priorities of your heart? What is your love? What are you really trying to live for? What are you going after? When our pursuit in life is, I just want to be happy. I'm telling you, my friends, this is a hazardous path of self-focus. Trying to please yourself and you will never, never, never be satisfied. You won't. What we learn on this path is unfulfilling. It really is. And it constantly puts us in that vicious cycle of always needing more. It's an endless abyss of engulfed in bad habits that just beats us down. And there's something more to this world. There really is. What if we lived beyond ourselves? What if we moved beyond the norm of what the world is trying to lure us to, to try to live for ourselves, live for happiness, that maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something bigger. Maybe there's something better. You know, it's all about the greater yes. I could say yes to this and go down this life, but it really is at best. It's going to give me everything I hope for. Or if I go with God's direction, God's path, Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. 
And it all leans back to what is the priority of your heart. And that will lead us to the consequences of what we deal with in our life in the future. You see, the path to fulfillment, the path to everything you're searching for within your own heart, is godliness. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy verse six, or chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you see that? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness is aligning our life with Jesus. And Jesus said these words, it's not in your notes, but he said these words in John 14. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Godliness is aligning my life with that reality that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I find my contentment, I find my fulfillment through his life. You see, Jesus said that he is the way. The reality is that Jesus is the only way to having a true and real relationship with God. He is, Jesus is the only God who gave up his life for us. He is the only God who resurrected himself from the dead. He is the only God who still lives today. He is the only one. And everything that we are is defined by a relationship with him. Everything. And he says, I am the way, which links to other things he says throughout the Gospels, to follow him. And then Jesus said, I am the truth. You know, as the way and the creator of everything that is, we must rely on the reality of his truth. That through the order of this world, we see the reality of Jesus. It is his truth that, we must, that must guide our life and guide our choices. And Jesus said that anyone who sees him sees God. And when Jesus was on earth, he showed everyone what God was like, the true nature of God himself. Jesus was loving and kind, showing us that God is loving and kind. Jesus was always good, showing us that God is always good. Jesus showed us that God answers prayer and that God hates sin. And Jesus was the living truth of God. And he says, I am the way, which means lean and follow my truth. Because this is what he said third, I am life. I am life. You see, even though your body dies, your soul has the ability to live on. It really does. Those of us who give our lives over to Jesus, to follow him as the way, to lean on his truth, one day we'll receive a brand new body, just like Jesus' new body. One that will never die again. One that will experience no more pain or sickness or brokenness or heartache. That's eternal life. This world is so short-lived. I can't believe I am a middle-aged guy already. I still think in my mind I'm a teenager running around and I'm not. I mean, that was just yesterday. This life is just a blink of the eye. Think about it. Before you know it, it's over. Then what? And if we put all of our cards into the gain of this world, what have you gained? What have you gained? 
because this life is short-lived, but there is eternity beyond this life. And Jesus said, that's eternal life, and that's the life I provide. But when Jesus said that he is life, he didn't just mean that. He meant so much more than that because he said, when you give your life to me, you have the, the ability to experience my eternal life. Everything that, it, that is right now. You can experience that right now. How? Well, my gift to you is my spirit that will live within you. And you can experience that. So when Jesus said, I am the way, he's saying, follow me because I'm the only path out of this crazy, chaotic world. I am truth. My truth is the path to follow. I am life. When you follow me and lean on my truth, you will experience life. You see, through following him, living his truth, we have life. That is the godliness that Timothy is talking about. And through that godliness and connecting with Jesus, you will find contentment. Everything you're searching for that you think this world will give you, that bigger house, that great car, the best job, everything you're trying to get to, all those things you think will fulfill you, they will fail you. They will never be enough. Why? Because it's God who will fulfill and give you contentment. This is all about our investment. You see, in every aspect of life, what we invest in determines the return we would get. It's true financially. It's true with the jobs you do. It's true with the, what you get your kids involved with. And it's true spiritually as well. So often, we live our life for ourselves. We put blinders on. We tune out God. And we wonder, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing this? Why are you coming through? When all around, he's been there. We've just been investing our hearts in other things. We haven't been seeking him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their own flesh, from, that, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul is saying, what you invest in is what you can expect to have a return on. So where are you at? Are you investing in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Are you trying to live life your way while saying, God, give me what you got to give? Because you're going to miss out. It's like going to a, a bank and saying, I want all the blessings of this investment but I don't want to put any money into it. What do you think you're going to get? Maybe some chuckles and a laugh and a kick on the behind and get out of here, right? You can't expect that. How would you expect the same in our relationship with Jesus? If you're not going to invest in him, you're going to miss out on the return that he has for your life. And so often what we invest in, what has our heart is revealed in our time and our resources. It really is. Our time and our resources show the reality of what has our heart. And this is a tough topic. So many people are like, 
Bill, I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to talk about my, what, you know, my calendar, things like that. Just, just tell me the good stuff about God. And we, we, don't, we feel like we're getting our toes stepped on. I'm not trying to step on any toes, but the problem with it, why we feel like that, is because here's the reality. We're dealing with our heart. We're dealing with oftentimes tends to have our heart. And it shows itself in what we invest in with our time and our money. You can see this in your own household budget. I mean, this world is so often, so many families are put into trouble. Why? Because they believe in the lie of you need the best stuff. You need to have the great life and, and you, can, you can spend money on this. Or, and if you, don't, if you don't have the cash right now, just put, it on a, just put it on a credit card or something like that and you can pay it down later. But the reality is so many households are in so much trouble because they're in their head so much with debt. They don't know what to do. And then before you know it, you are living to the, to, the, to the master of debt because you can't break free from it. Because you never could afford it in the first place. Can I just take a side note and just encourage you how important it is to have a household budget? That is so crucial. And here's one of the key points of budgeting. If you don't have the money, don't spend it. Don't spend it. It's that simple. Don't get caught in the, in the lie that I need this right now. And I can pay it off later. Because you know what I learned? Later doesn't always come. Because before you know it, as you put on that debt, guess what happens? Then all of a sudden you're trying to figure out, wait, I have to pay this debt. And the minimum just went up and up beyond what I can really afford. How am I going to pay for groceries? How am I going to get food this week? I've been there before. It's not a good life. But here's something. If you're struggling in debt, can I just encourage you with a great program out there called Financial Peace University. It is a great program. It's something that helped my family so tremendously. And there's a great thing there called the snowball effect. If you ever heard this before, a quick overview of what it is. Let's say you have multiple things of debt. You know, car, house, credit cards, school, whatever it may be. And you're just overwhelmed with debt. What it says is, okay, choose the smallest debt. Put them in order. All the other, de all the other debts, pay the minimum, minimum, monthly minimum. This debt, you put everything you can into it. And just go after it. And you might, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You might have to have, stop having Starbucks every day. You might have to stop eating out every other night. You know, do, make some sacrifices. You'll be okay. And just slam out this debt. And then once you get this debt paid off, you take all that you're putting into that debt and you move to the next one. And then before you know it, each debt, what you're paying to it, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you wipe it all out. And my family, we went through this years ago and it was a true, true blessing. And today we have no debt. And what a free life that is, that you are not controlled by that debt. It's a beautiful thing. And that can be your story too. But you need to work on a budget. Don't believe the lie of our nation, of our world, that you need to live in instant gratification. That all the stuff you need to get, because it won't make you happy. It won't. And don't believe the lie that you need it right now. You don't. Not everybody has it. Live in the budget of what you can afford. 
Because then God wants to do something even greater in your life. And it will bring so much stress down in your life when you work, when you live that way. The same is true in the time that we spend. So often we get so focused on the things we want to do or the things that our kids are involved in. Before you know it, even in the household, you're not building healthy relationships. You're just kind of becoming acquaintances. And that's not a healthy thing. And at some point, we need to be honest with ourselves. What controls my budget? What controls my calendar, my time? Because ultimately, that's what has my heart. That's what has my heart. Don't miss out on what God's best is for you. Don't allow this world and the lore of living for yourself and the self-gratification, the self-focus to become your God. Because it will bring you down. We reap what we sow. We really do. A healthy and happy home is found with proper budgeting of our resources and our time. And Paul wrote in, first, in, in that verse we read a moment ago in 1 Timothy. Did you catch it? Don't, don't forget it. Godliness and contentment is great gain. You see, my friends, great gain is found when we look beyond our desires and seek godliness. You want the great gain? You want the great return? It's when we truly, in our hearts and our minds, seek Jesus. Seek godliness. Who has your heart? What are you investing in? In your life, in your time, in your resources. Paul wrote this a few verses later in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Notice what Paul said, money is not the problem. What's the problem? Our hearts. And what our hearts tend to do is become, we become so consumed and enticed and have a passion for what we can get in this world, a.k.a. money and what money seems to provide, that we get locked in on that and that pulls us away. And this self-focused mentality, it just brings us down. And look what Paul says, when we allow that mentality to consume us. What does it bring? Grief. Our love of self. Our desire just to be happy and live life my way. Our desire to try to get everything this world provides. Paul says all it does is give you grief. That's all it does. You see, many griefs are developed from a love of money. It really is. You can buy that million-dollar house, that $70,000 Tesla, but in the end, you also realize it didn't feel anything here. I'm not satisfied like I was. And two years down the road, I want the next great house, the next great car. It just never ends and it pulls us from our faith and the grief just just fills up our lives and it brings broken relationships and it brings chaos all around us and grief is developed in in our life when we lose sight of what we're really living for what we're focused on what we're striving for and the struggle just hijacks our priorities and it causes us to shift our focus and what we get uh, on what we can gain in this world that we lose out on life we lose sight on what God really wants to do in our life and then before you know it, what really didn't seem like that big of a deal became a mountain of issues. Financially, relationally, 
and so many other areas. See, my friends, there's freedom when we seek God and his godliness. There's contentment when we seek God and his godliness. There's hope in that. When we live beyond ourselves, when we move beyond what the norm of this world is, there is life. But the big question is this. What are you living for? What are you truly living for? Because this affects all aspects of your life. Got to answer that question. I'm just being honest with you. If you're trying to live for yourself, to please yourself, you're going down a very hazardous path. You really are. Because deep within us, let's be real, my friends, deep within us, whether you've realized it or not, we all have this emotional need that we're searching for. You know what it is? I put it down to three A's. It's an affirmation, it is attention, and it is affection. Within every one of us, at the core of who we are, we're all searching to fill our, the cravings of our heart. And the cravings of your heart is affection, affirmation, and attention. And so often, because we don't get that fulfilled in our life as kids, as adults, then what tends to happen is we begin to search for that in other things. And this world pulls us down the path of saying, you can find the affirmation you're searching for. You can find the attention or the affection you're searching for in the path of the world, getting more and better stuff in these relationships, whatever it may be. And all it does is bring you down to a path of chaos and brokenness. And we try to fill those cravings, those natural cravings within all of our hearts with the world path. And it just breaks us down. And before you know it, you're living in a world of brokenness and chaos. But here's the thing. I believe everything that your heart is looking for. The affirmation, the attention, and the affection is found in a pursuit of Jesus as the way, as the truth, and as the life. And allowing him to work through you. The problem is we, when we don't get clarity on what we're, our heart is searching for, then all we do is seek it in other places. And that's why Paul says this love of the world's ways, this love of money, this love of living for yourself, it just leads to grief. Why? Because you aren't really understanding what you're searching for within the own core of who you are. Look what Paul writes in, in the next few verses later on in this chapter 6. Verses 11 12, 1 Timothy 6. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then in verse 18 and 19, Paul writes these words. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Did you catch what Paul wrote? To flee from all things that entice us. To pursue Jesus. To take hold of what he provides. This means living beyond myself. 
living for him, walking with him, following him. And the path give, uh, Paul gives us the, the journey of how to do that, how to strive for godliness, how to live in contentment. He says to do good, to live your life to do good. He says we should be rich in good deeds. That's our time. Our time should be more focused in serving others, in doing good for others, to live in God's path. Because in that moment, you begin to realize what God wants to do within your life and through your life. And then Paul says, and, and we should be generous and willing to share. That's our resources. You know, to live beyond ourselves. To truly trust God that he will take care of me. And that when I don't live for myself, but I live to serve him and to serve others, I experience his life. I experience his goodness. I experience godliness. I experience contentment. You see, my friends, this world is not our gain. It really is not. What may feel good right now, it's not it. Those bag of chips last night sure did feel good in the moment. But they don't feel good the next day, do they? What may feel good right now and what you're trying to please yourself with, I'm going to tell you it's not going to feel good long term. Jesus has something so much better. Like Paul wrote, our gain is the treasure that's being stored up in heaven's eternal foundation. That's our goal. Not this world. Stop thinking this world is the end all be all of everything you're looking for. It is not. It is going to disappoint you. It's going to break you. It's going to make your world chaos if you try to live for this world. But God has life. Jesus has so, something so much better. What we have is not ours. My life is not my life. I live for him. Everything that we do, everything that we have is an opportunity to experience him more. That's the goal. But at some point we need to live beyond ourselves, to move beyond the norm, to experience the life that he has. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you. In this moment, you know, we're just trying to figure out how to get through this world. Lord, I know there's some people right now that probably can, can equate themselves with this, this message pretty closely. They're, maybe they're saying, Bill, my life is chaos. I try to live for myself. I try to get bigger and better things. I try to mask my brokenness or what my heart is searching for with stuff of this world and the lifestyle that seemed to please me and it, it didn't get what I wanted to. And they're searching for it. And Lord, I pray that in this moment they may seek after you. Lord, I also know that right now there's people who are not that far down the path. They're thinking, boy, Bill, that sounds great. But you know what? I don't see it. I don't see brokenness. I don't see chaos. And they're still filling their spirit with a bag of chips. But Lord God, in this moment, I pray for your spirit just to reveal yourself to them. That they may see the life that you truly provide. And Lord, may we all just run to you. May we live in godliness. May we live to serve you. And may we experience you in a whole new way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.